Are you you working on a new book now, right? I am. Yeah. Are we recording now? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can get started. Yeah, we'll ease uh, into it. I mean, no. I mean, like, was that wasn't the first question of the interview? No, this, no, no. I was. Just, that okay. was both just test and yeah. also just kind of warm you up a little bit. Okay. But. This clusterfuck right now isn't the beginning of the podcast. No, no. Okay. No. Beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth, girth. So here we go. If you were a contestant on a dating show, on a ta- dating game show, and you had to describe what you do professionally, how would you describe it? How would you describe what you do? Too much. <laughs> Too much. Too much. Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't be on a dating show because I'm happily married. Hi, honey. Um, Good save. But yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I don't have one job, so uh, I guess like the easiest thing to say is I'm a, I'm a writer. Uh, and pretty much everything else I do in my life is sort of a function of the fact that I'm a writer. So I'm a writer, and I I teach college English um, and creative writing. I'm a writer, and I uh, edit books for a publishing company. I'm a writer, and uh, I write books. And I'm a writer, and I created uh, religion. I'm a writer, and, um, and, I, and I also make art. So it's uh, I wear a lot of different hats. What was what's the is it boredom or curiosity or what kind of prompts the 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 different because teaching is a little bit different than making art and di- starting your own religion. Yeah, but it pays better. Oh, I'm, yeah. I, although I got high hopes for the religion. Yeah. Um, uh, and it only pays marginally better. I mean, if you're a contract faculty, like I've been for a long time. Um, but I mean, it's it's work. So, and I love teaching. Uh, teaching isn't something I do because I have to. It's something I do because I I really love it. Um, but and to me, none of these things. This none of these are separate pursuits. The the writing and the teaching and the editing, and uh, making art and all of it is is all sort of the one thing. It's all sort of who I am as a writer and as a creative person. Um, and uh, like you said, is it curiosity? Yeah, and imagination. Um, I think curiosity and imagination are the two most important qualities in a person. Um, have, you, have you ever met someone who isn't curious about anything? Like they're the most boring people in the world. Like they just, you know, uh, have you seen this film? No. Have you read this book? <laughs> I don't really want to. Like the, people who aren't curious about the world. Uh, are just the most boring, horrible people I've ever met. So it's like they've almost given up, or they never started. Yeah. Uh, depending on you know <laughs> how bad the situation is. Yeah. Um, so I, I I I think curiosity and imagination are important. So I I try to live those values. You know. And it's interesting you use the word writer. Um, why did you choose to use the word writer as opposed to being an artist? Uh, Is that too snooty even? or I'm not opposed to the word artist. Um, I was actually trying to use the word artist, or sorry, the word writer, um, as opposed to the word poet, which is, I, I think, probably what I am primarily. Um, but that word, uh, and I don't have a problem with that word either, but I think I think um, it, uh, it sets people back. Artist, a little bit poet. poet. Um, sort of people have a preconceived notion of 
of the poet as some as a snooty person. Yeah. And uh, and I, I don't think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think what I make is is snooty or um, not any fun. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I guess it's a it's a it's um it's a bit of self censorship I suppose um, or. Uh, uh, a, a kind of uh, defense mechanism um, to avoid the, the the immediate prejudice that I <laughs> I fear in others, um, but that's a prejudice of my own, isn't it? Yeah. So you've gone full yeah. circle in a way, yeah. in order to avoid some baggage, you d- you work through your own baggage. Exactly. I want to get to the religion, but I want to just first touch upon the fact that you mentioned poetry. Um, how how long have you been writing poetry? Uh, there's levels. I mean, when I was a kid, I always wrote rhymes and stories and drew pictures. And um, as a child, I always wanted to be creative uh, in one way or another, whether it was playing with Lego or um, like uh, hammering nails into wood in the in the in the shed out back or or writing. Um, Curiosity, and I, I, imagination. I, I remember writing song lyrics, and I remember. Um, uh, being active that way as a child, I think I started self-consciously writing poetry, probably um, either in high school. I, oh, I mean, everyone writes poetry in high school. They make you, right? Um, but uh, without being told to do it in university. Um, uh, I was studying at Western University, and I was an art student there uh, to begin with, and um, I f- ended up in a creative writing workshop and um, sort of uh, things got more and more serious from there. What were some of the earlier topics even? Do you remember what you were exploring or what kind of set the spark off? Um, you know, it was uh, uh, the same sorts, you know, uh, unrequited love and, <laughs> and, and broken relationships and broken hearts and the, the, the sorts of things that all young men and women Right about the classics, you know, sex and death, the wilderness, <laughs> sex and death in the wilderness. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, things have gotten weirder and and more fun since then. Yeah. Uh, don't let it end it like this. Tell them I said something. This is one of your last books. And no, yeah, it, that was my last book. Yeah. And that one dealt with kind of like an apocalyptic type themes and kind of end of the world almost, right? Yeah, there's a lot of apocalyptic themes in that book, and it's sort of like imagining uh, a sort of a literature for the end of the world. Um, That's a good way to put it, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, and the, the metaphor I like to use for that book is, like, if a, if a city was destroyed in some great cataclysm and there were survivors and they needed to build a shelter and they started stacking the rubble together to make some kind of a building... Um, uh, in the in the in the aftermath, um, that's sort of what I did with that book. I, but instead of stacking the rubble, I used bits and pieces of of other texts and 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 sort of literary history and culture, and I smashed it all up and I and I put the pieces back together into something else, and um, that's how I wrote that book. It's almost like your Tower of Babel. Sure, that wor- That works. Mm-hmm. That works for sure. Uh, and there's a long poem sequence in that book called Magog, um, which is uh, I, probably the most biblical thing 
uh, I've I've written in a long time, and um, it's uh, it's all about like uh, the sort of society coming apart at the seams, and uh, you know uh, crowds looking for answers in the sky, and and uh, vicious birthday party clowns showing up <laughs> at your house. Yes. And uh, is there any other kind? Uh, well. Not in not in that poem. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so, but it was sure fun to write. Are your poems ever finished, or are they just kind of abandoned? Ah, uh, that's a that's a that's a good question. It's an. Uh, um, I'll find out. I am. I don't know that I'm. I've. I'm old enough yet to have like really felt the need to go back and and. Uh, put a second coat of paint on any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a new book coming out in 2018. And then my publisher, ECW Press, wants the next book after that to be a new and selected or a selected. And I, I, I imagine putting that book together, I'll probably uh, find out uh, how strong the urge to go back and revise older poems is. Um, I think right now the... Um, the thrill uh, in the opportunity of just like weeding out stuff is probably enough to make me happy to go back to those really early books and just decide what I'm not going to put in the selected is um, sort of thrilling enough. Um, I'll probably make some revisions. I don't know how how much or how drastic it will be. Um, I, I do know other people who constantly go back and revise even after they've published their work and um dennis lee is is one of them just about everything he's written has been rewritten and republished at some point um and walt whitman wrote leaves of grass like one book is almost his whole life and just kept rewriting it and rewriting it so the the impulse uh, is there and it's not anything new i'll see if i can resist all right and with the new book do you you start what you start off with a theme or kind of an image or anything like that that kind of sets it all together or you just kind of I think I start off with a mood. That's um, I, my poetry lately. I mean, my early books are very sad, very um, emotional, and um, sort of as I get older, I don't think I get less emotional. Or, or uh, I'm certainly I'm certainly happier now than when I was a younger man. Um, and I think it's reflected in my in my writing and in the art that I make. Um, it's, I just you know, sort of the older I get, just the more, more I just want to have fun. And that doesn't mean that I still don't write about sort of darker subject matter, um, like evil clowns, like evil clowns, or uh, you know, or murder, or you know, sort of the lo- long dark nights of the soul. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a new there's a new mood there's a new tone in it that's sort of just a little a, a, a touch of levity a, a little bit more weirdness mm-hmm. uh, thrown in for fun and um, it's uh, it gives me a thrill uh, to 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 know that you know I'm still growing as a as a writer. Does the levity and the weirdness does that come from comic books? Because you clearly have like a a sci-fi bent or a comic book type bent, and I, I think I think a sort of like uh, like retro sci-fi uh, aesthetic appeals to me in a lot of ways, not just through comic books, 
but in music and film and um, and uh, visual art. Yeah, because um, when you you some of your visual art has like laser guns, and they're called laser guns. And yeah, I, I I've painted and or drawn drawn a lot of uh, laser guns, um, and they're fun to draw. What I like about drawing laser guns and making paintings of of laser guns, and and the laser guns that I that I do draw or paint um, tend to be very obviously toy laser guns mm-hmm. um, is I, I, I like the idea of, of, of a weapon sort of being neutered of its of its power uh, from its from its creation the, the the toy laser gun is is not gonna hurt anybody you've taken away and, its potential and um, and I, the only potential it has is is for you know um, idle amusement mm-hmm. and um, and uh, I, I like the idea of sort of removing the destructive power from those objects in, in through art. The films that you mentioned, the comic books that you mentioned, is there any that kind of stand out or that have a big influence on you? Oh, it's very much a very general thing. Um, just sort of the aesthetics of sort of mid-20th century science fiction, um, whether it's like literary or artistic or, or cinematic uh, or musical. Um, sort of the the sound of a theremin, you know, the image of a flying saucer, um, the the these sorts of ideas. It's a, you know, and it's very it's very telling, sort of, that we're uh, we're having this discussion um, right after uh, the X Files has just returned t- to television, and the X Files is certainly a tip of the hat back to. That sort of you know mid-century science fiction, sort of Cold War paranoia mm-hmm. uh, entertainment, like like um, like the Twilight Zone and and like you know films like The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, and um, that's a classic. Absolutely, and we're talking about the one from the '50s, folks, not the one with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, no, <laughs> we can ignore that one. It's like the same thing with Planet of the Apes, right? It's the old school Rod Serling oh. one. That's so much better. Absolutely, love Planet of the Apes. Um, I uh, I've always been fascinated with primates as a you know and what what child isn't sort of captivated by monkeys um, but you know as you as I as I've grown up and and been more uh, sort of scientific in my in my interests um, they're fascinating animals and 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 uh, uh, our close genetic relationship to them is a, a source of uh, of a lot of reflection for me um, and then, you know, through the lens of wanting to make my art more and more sort of fun, uh, Planet of the Apes in particular does become uh, a, an inspiration. And I've made paintings um, and drawings about, about characters from Planet of the Apes um, sort of mixed in with other kinds of 50s sci-fi kind of stuff like uh, War of the Worlds mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, and even Mickey Mouse and uh, sort of, uh, you know, I, I guess I consider like my visual work to be sort of uh, really inspired by pop art. And um, there's a pulp tradition too there too. Just something like it's kind of like um, just the the ray guns and that kind of sci-fi too. Yeah, absolutely. Like and the weird tales and sort of, you know, and you just take these uh, iconic images and you juxtapose them next to one another, and through that through that juxtaposition, you create narratives or you create questions. You create context, and um, and then the, you know, hopefully, uh, 
as you know lowbrow as it might be the whole is greater than the sum of its parts even if it's just by a little bit yeah <laughs> high five for lowbrow <laughs> and in terms of the art we're talking one of the things you're mentioning is the male art project the male art project that's right. m a i l male as in the, the the postal service yes not the not the physical specimen not the uh, the gender gender um, so yeah i do male art and basically, I make sort of hand-drawn postcards, and if somebody wants one, uh, they can send me ten bucks to my um, to my PO box, and we'll we'll put the address up at the end of the podcast. Yeah, and um, and uh, I'll send them a hand-drawn postcard, and you don't know what you're gonna get, so like you can't like request like I want laser King guns. King Kong climbing the <laughs> Empire State Building with a laser gun. Although that's probably now that I've said it, that's probably what I'm going to do next. Oh, and, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to put some ten dollars in the mail then. That sounds awesome. And um, yeah, so you know, uh, send me ten bucks in a self-addressed uh, stamped envelope, and um, you know, and and then watch the mailbox at your home, and it'll you know, I'll send you a hand-drawn postcard. Um, it's as simple as that. And I this is a project I started. Uh, I guess like just a little over a year ago, like I Christmas 2014, and um, it's been fun. I've done about 150 postcards since then. That's amazing. And um, I, you know, I'll just keep doing it as long as it's fun. It's still fun, and they've they've actually the the postcards have uh, grown in sort of sophistication. Like a, a, to begin with, they were like really quick doodles that took me about five minutes, and you know five or ten minutes, and they were ten bucks. And n- now some of them take me hours, <laughs> and uh, I, still, I still only charge ten bucks for them. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's something I'll keep doing. How far have you sent one out? Is it just within Canada, or you've done to the States, or UK, or Australia? They've gone to the States. Uh, I think they've only gone to Canada and the States so far, but I'll send them anywhere in the world. All right. You mentioned, too, the whole sci-fi and listening to music, and you mentioned some of the movies, and you mentioned X-Files. Uh, does David Bowie fall into that tradition as well? I'm a big fan of David Bowie. Um, my biggest musical influence would probably be Devo. Oh, okay. Um, and not, it. Uh, not, not just Devo as a band, but Devo as a conceptual like art collective is uh, a huge influence on me. And the, um, the, you know, their philosophy of de-evolution... That the world is backsliding into 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 ruin is devolving through uh, you know the social uh, sins of of greed and stupidity and um, which we're seeing now which we are seeing the the full <laughs> brunt of in the uh, uh, Republican uh, presidential mm-hmm. exactly, contest yeah. right now and. Um, Devo was right. Devo, you know, and back in the '70s when they were first started uh, reporting on on this issue, the, a lot of people thought they were quacks and thought they were full of it. But uh, you know, we can we can all we got to do is look around and we can see the evidence of de-evolution all around us. And uh, so they've been a big influence on me, and they've they've got a bit of that sort of. Uh, science fiction aesthetic about them as well mutants and radiation suits and energy domes those, yeah the hats those little yeah. cool hats those are really neat yeah. I keep an energy dome in my writing studio to sort of inspire me do you ever wear it too or just keep oh it? sure yeah. yeah sometimes I wear it while I'm while I'm writing or drawing something 
Uh, and David Bowie has also been a, a, an influence on me. David Bowie is another character who sort of brought science fiction into, uh, into music. And, um, you know, is there life on Mars? We have to ask the question. And um, so David Bowie could be right like Devo too. Eventually, well, David Bowie uh, is uh, uh, in no small part responsible for um, Devo getting their first record deal. Um, What's the connection so, there? An uh, uh, early demo tape of some of Devo's songs found their way into the hands of Iggy Pop. Uh, Iggy Pop yeah. was uh, close friends with David Bowie at the time, and they would listen to the tape together. Um, and then when Devo came to perform a show in New York City, uh, David Bowie introduced the band to the audience and called them the, um, the band of the future and an announced his intention to record their first album in Japan later that year. But then um, he signed on to do a film and uh, his schedule wasn't open. So the job fell to Brian Eno. Another genius. Who ended up uh, recording their first album with them in Germany in, uh, I think it's, uh, well, the album came out in 1978. So, um, yeah, and that album was called Question, Are We Not Men? Answer, We Are Devo, and it's still a work of genius, a seminal record. Uh, go download it, listen to it right now, pay for it, <laughs> and um, always pay your artists. And um, and the B-52s had a, had that a little bit of that sci-fi edge to them. Um, and uh, and here in Canada, we had Nash the Slash, yeah, who um, sadly passed away um, in 2014. Uh, and folks, if you don't know Nash the Slash, yeah, you have to describe this. this get is- Nash the Slash is a rock and roll <laughs> uh, mummy. He uh, comes out <laughs> on stage wearing uh, his face. Uh, bandaged up with sunglasses over top and a top hat usually and um, he plays the electric mandolin and the electric violin and um, and uh, his songs and his records are uh, uh, a mishmash of of uh, sort of um, sci-fi themes and and uh, uh, hard rock and and uh, and prog rock sounds and uh, um, uh, probably one of the first uh, examples of, of what we might call monster rock uh, here in Canada, um, but it's uh, you know not quite the same kind of thing as uh, you know Alice Cooper yeah. or even uh, you know Rob Zombie. Um, it definitely uh, uh, a little more sophisticated than than that, and um, you know. Uh, Kind of an example of de-evolution in his own right. A, an absolute genius. So, folks, if you don't know Nash the Slash, he's a Canadian treasure. Um, get get yourself to a, a used record store, pick up some vinyl, uh, get onto um, iTunes, and I know that a whole bunch of uh, Nash the Slash's early records have just been re-released on vinyl and iTunes. And uh, no one's paying me to to plug this. I'm just. Uh, you know, telling you because I believe in it. Um, get yourself some Nash the Slash. Get the album Thrash from 1999. Go way back to the 80s and, and get a live album called The Hammersmith Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, it is a, a, a thing of beauty, and um, that's certainly uh, been an influence on me as well.
I saw him uh, like on TV. I must have been CBC or Much Music or whatever it was back in the day. And as a small child, I was just blown away because it's like <laughs> he reminded me of like the Invisible Man, right? Just the oh, sure, yeah. He looks like the Invisible Man um, with the uh, sunglasses and the and the bandages. Yeah, and the top hat and all that. Yeah. And it was just I was just like. I don't know what this is, but I'm in. <laughs> this guy's yeah. going to take me some... Yeah, and he doesn't play... Uh, there's no guitars. Uh, no guitars on Nash the Slash records. And uh, it's all electric mandolin or electric violin. And, um, and, and of course, synthesizers and drums and, and everything else, but no guitars. Um, and if you like Nash the Slash's music, you can go a little bit deeper. Because uh, he, he was in a prog rock, a Canadian prog rock band um, even earlier than that. Uh, before he went solo, called FM. And FM released a couple of albums uh, with Nash the Slash and then went on to release a few albums after after Nash went solo. Um, th- th- those records are worth, are worth giving a, a listen to. Um, FM is to Nash the Slash as Hawkwind is to L- Lemmy. <laughs> nice. That's a good... There you go. That works. If, if I can offer uh, that as an analogy, I think it works pretty well. Look at you giving out all kinds of homework, too. You are in, like, classic teacher mode, right? Like, just go home and take your Devo, go home and sit down with your Nash Slash. Um, yeah, I'm all about giving homework. Um, this is good yeah, homework, though. Yeah, uh, may, may, maybe on a, a future uh, future episode of this podcast, we'll have a test. Yeah, and then there's, like, a pop quiz <laughs> yeah. or something like that. We'll bring in some listeners and yeah. give, them, give them marks. Oh, I like this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put them on the hot seat. When you're teaching poetry and writing, is there a particular uh, point or um, kind of a focus that you have? Like, just one major takeaway, one major lesson that you want them to leave that with the class, no matter what. In practical terms, it's uh, revision. Um, you gotta, you know, everything, everything that's worth doing is a lot of hard work. Um, and a, like a perfect piece of writing that comes out, like that comes out perfect, like the first time you do it, that that is as rare as a potato chip shaped like Abraham Lincoln. But still pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't happen a whole lot, and mostly you got to do a lot of work. Um, so that's that's the practical lesson. Um, you know, I won't get into the details of, of how that's accomplished, but um, uh, and the other thing I, I uh, that sort of is a sort of a guiding. Uh, principle for me when I teach when I teach creative writing is um, that uh, I'm not trying to teach students to write like me or think like me um, they've got their own vision and they've got their own themes that they're preoccupied with and their own voice and their own way of doing things and I try to teach them this, a skill set that'll just help them bring that out even more um, I'm not uh, I'm not an advocate of any particular school mm-hmm. uh, of writing or any particular style uh, of writing, and um, I want I want my students to have the skills to to make the art that they want to make. The skills to pay the bills. Well, that's uh, paying bills is a whole other thing. That's why I have so many jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the religion now. You started. I started a religion. A crypto religion? A crypto religion. You What's a crypto religion for anybody who doesn't know or not familiar with the term? That's a fancy pants term. A crypto religion is different from a religion in the way that uh, 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 cryptozoology is different from zoology. Um, now you're dropping dimes. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't I don't know what crypto religion it just sounds good. I know. Um a, a crypto it's 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 a it's satire because a crypto religion would be a religion for which there is uh, uh not enough evidence to support its um its 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 validity, mm-hmm. right? But that's actually that's that's every religion. So, um uh, so by calling it a crypto religion, I'm drawing attention to, to, to that fact. And it's, it's a bit of uh, satire or culture jamming or um, whatever you might want to call it. Um, and what do you call this new religion? Hit it. This is the, the holy order of the Sasquatch. Um, you know, Sasquatch is a, is a thing that people think they saw that, you know, but they don't have any proof. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me the uh, uh the, the the perfect uh, uh sort of allegorical figure to um to build uh a satirical religion around and and of course this is inspired by other satirical religions that exist like uh pastafarianism the worship of the flying spaghetti monster or um uh, discordianism the um very intellectual uh uh, and tongue-in-cheek worship of Eris, the goddess of of discord, or um, or the Church of the Subgenius, uh, which which borrows from a lot of those mid-century science fiction sort of apocalyptic uh, uh, kinds of themes, um, and builds a, a a religion around sort of you know e- exceptionalism for weird people, uh, and I've been a card-carrying member of that for about 20 years now. And um, so I was a member of the religion, or weird, of of the Church of the Subgenius, and uh, so I was sort of inspired by all these various things, and I just wanted to, to you know, give that a try. I I, I, I saw these uh, things as, as as an art form. Um, that religion is the medium, and um, and you can make art in that medium, and. Um, it's been done before. Uh, why not add one more? Um, yeah, one of the teachers you have for it is uh, Cherish Your Figments, which is kind of like a thing left over, I guess, from some of the writing and some of the just some of the things you kind of trim away too, right? As you kind of do the editing. Yeah, ch- Cherish Your Figments means uh, a figment is just that, like uh, you know, uh, something you imagined in a in a split second, and uh, and. Uh, cherish those because those things that you imagine um, are, are what make you unique and that help you navigate through the world um, which is a bit of a positive message and as satirical as it is um, I wanted to uh, include um, a kind of message and a, and a, and a, me- a, a sort of a mood or a tone of, of, of positivity uh, in this because some of the other ones are very sardonic mm-hmm. and um, same Bigfoot kind of stuff and uh, well, and and things like uh, you know the Church of the Subgenius and and Pastafarianism um, are are really about mocking mm-hmm. something. And I thought, well, you can if you if you mock something, what are you left with? And just just the mockery. Um, and there's room, there's a place in the world for that. Um, but what if we what if we mocked something and and then offered something positive at the same time? I don't I don't know if that's possible, but I'm I'm willing to give it a try. So, yeah, cherish your figments. Um, whatever it is that you think you saw, you saw. And that makes you you. And, um, you know, but maybe that's just another layer of satire. 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell. All right. <laughs> I have something for you because the it's obviously your um, the Saint Bigfoot. That's the big figure symbol of your religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a couple of years ago, actually, a friend of mine, DC and I, we started up a T-shirt company and we actually used um, we used the Sasquatch as our logo. Oh, cool. So it's a T-shirt here. What's up, cuz? Hey, this is a Supcuz t-shirt. Yeah. This is a, a bright canary yellow t-shirt for those of you watching at home on the radio. Yeah. Um, it's got a black uh, Sasquatch. The extra uh, fuzzy, too. We made extra. Cover. He's, yeah, he's, 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 um, he's, 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 he's sort of soft and woolly like, uh, um, like the snuggle fabric softener bear. Oh yeah, that's and, a good way to put um, it. Yeah. And the face, the face is very ape-like, and then superimposed over this uh, Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch is in a classic um, pose from the the Patterson Gimlin film there, with the one arm out front, that's one right. arm out back, and uh, the words "sup cuz" are superimposed in a kind of uh, uh, comic book script uh, in blue lettering. Over top, it's fetching. Thank you. There it's you fetching. go. Thank you very uh, much. I Sammy. figure that uh, your religion get together at all, or is it all just do yourself? Or oh, we've got uh, sort of a, right now. We're, we're just in our infancy. We've just got started, and this is a new uh, a new um, movement started uh, shortly after New Year's in 2016. So it's brand new. We got a few members in Toronto. We got a uh, we got members uh, sort of Toronto. Florida, California, and up in Vancouver. Oh, you so got Florida and California. Those so, are key. Sort of the, the four corners <laughs> of North America, and now we're starting to sort of shade in the rest mm-hmm. of the puzzle, as it were, as more pe- more and more people sign up. And yeah. are you expecting to build any sort of like holidays or any traditions as you kind of develop? Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a few... Uh, uh, Sort of Kickstarters going around, uh, looking to to make uh, certain days sort of National Sasquatch Day um, in various jurisdictions, and I think we'll probably just piggyback on those rather than try and, uh, you know, if somebody wants something to be National Sasquatch Day, we're sure as hell willing to just go with it, and um, and we'll call that the holiday. Um, that works. And uh, so you know, any reason to celebrate. Yeah. But, you know, the Holy Order of the Sasquatch is also compatible with any of the world's other major religions. You don't have to choose just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Your faith can be all-inclusive. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can be a member of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch and still celebrate, you know, uh, Hanukkah or Christmas or or whatever it is that, you know. And you like, can still eat meat. Yeah. you can, Sure you can. Yeah. There's no, there's no scientific proof, Sammy, that Sasquatch are vegetarian. So, oh snap! I never realized it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. You can still eat meat. Yeah, and um, and uh, if anyone wants to know more about the Holy Order of the Sasquatch, uh, visit our website at www.saintbigfoot.com, and there will be a little bit of information there about uh, about the order and about how you can become a knight of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch. And uh, the uh, the um, if you want to if you want to become a knight, the membership package uh, costs uh, fourteen ninety nine Canadian, and there's a link there that'll take you to our shop. And the membership package comes with uh, your membership card, 
that uh, bears the uh, oath of the order. And um, you can write your name in. And now you, uh, uh, once you recite the order and fill your name in on the card, you're a knight. And uh, you're just like that. Just like that. And you are entitled to use the, uh, the title Sir or Dame. And the post-nominal letters, KHS, Knight of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. You're entitled to do it. And um, the uh, membership package also comes with a, um, uh, a sew-on patch, which features the uh, icon of St. Bigfoot. And um, it also comes with uh, uh, some stickers featuring St. Bigfoot. And um, the uh, two copies of the first epistle of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch. And the first epistle is um, sort of a pamphlet or zine or a micro-comic or a sort of uh, similar to a, 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 like a, the kind of religious pamphlet that would get circulated in the sort of the Bible Belt. Um, and it features, uh, you know, um, sort of uh, pic- words and pictures, graphica, comics, uh, that uh, explain the teachings of, of the Order and of St. Bigfoot. And uh, and we'll send you two copies of that, one for you, one you can share with a friend. And, um, of course, you get a letter from St. Bigfoot. That's key, and too. That's, that's key. And, uh, and there's other stuff you can find on our website. Um, you can find out about, uh, you know, we have uh, how to get more patches and stickers if you want or you know, how to get uh, more copies of the first epistle. The second epistle is in the works. It's coming soon third and fourth and so on will follow and um, and uh, we've got t-shirts and um, that's one of, one of the ones I was matching the uh, cherish your figments cherish your figments it's like is a black uh, t-shirt with like the right yeah lighting. we do have a, a t-shirt with our, our motto cherish your figments on it we have a few mottos Sasquatch strong is one of our mottos as well um, but yeah, we have a Cherish Your Figments t-shirt. We got the classic black t-shirt with the St. Bigfoot logo on it. And, um, you know, I, I, that's my favorite shirt. I, I got one of those. I wear that around. And, um, so we're a young religion and we are growing every day. We're getting more and more followers on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter, um, at St. Bigfoot. Follow us on Instagram, at St. Bigfoot. You can find us on uh, Facebook uh, as the Holy Order of the Sasquatch. And, um, you know, uh, log on, uh, sign up, become a knight. And um, the whole point of, of the order is to uh, venerate the value of the human imagination and, um, and make the world a better place. Because the world's never going to be a better place until we imagine it can be one first. And uh, that's part of that positive message. Or am I just pulling your leg? I, I won't tell. It's a little, little of column A and a little of column B. This gets interesting now. Yeah. One aspect that uh, belongs to a lot of religions is prophecy and prophets. Is there a difference between uh, prophecy and being a prophet and poetry? Uh, ah. It's probably a matter of degrees. Um, I'll say that uh, I'm more interested in observation than prediction. Um, uh, 
I won't predict that you know that the world's going to end, but I can observe that things are getting pretty awful. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's a scale. There's a sliding scale between observation and prediction. And um, at one one end is the uh, the poet, the artist, the the observer, and uh, at the other end is the prophet, the the soothsayer, the visionary, the you know the predictor. Um, like as you you said earlier that my first or sorry my my latest book uh, has that apocalyptic bent to it. Um, is it a prediction? I think it's I think it's a warning. It's cautionary rather than prophetic. Do people listen to warnings, though, or do they... Bridge might be icy in the... It's, it's poetry, buddy. There's nobody listening. <laughs> um, you know, my eh, that's not true. My books have sold in the hundreds. Look at that. Give me a high <laughs> five. Yeah. yeah. The hundreds. <laughs> There's hundreds of copies of yeah. my books out there in the world. Um, you know, which when you compare that to... Stephen King and Margaret Atwood and J.K. Rowling and John Grisham too. John Grisham and sir, sure, um, you know they've they've sold hundreds of books too. Just you know, hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of books. Yes. Um, I don't have an ego about uh, about sales. I, I I mean I know I'm a poet, right? And uh, I'm a poet and a visual artist. And uh, 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 as of this year. Um, an armchair occultist. Yeah. And uh, so I've chosen these esoteric and fringe uh, art forms to dabble in, right? So I've, uh, you know, and I, I do it because that's that's what makes sense to me to work in. Like if I wanted to write for television, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to. Um, I have a friend who does, and he's good at it. And, uh, but, you know, that's not, that's not my medium. Um, although I'm kind of digging this. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll start doing a podcast next. If you got a religion, you need a way to preach. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'll probably look into it. And that's the podcast is the furthest way to kind of get your message out there. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll probably get something off the ground in the next couple of months. All right. I'm around yeah. if you need some help with any of that stuff. Hey, thanks, man. Is poetry dying then, or is it still... I, cause nope. Poetry's more popular than it's ever been. Um, it, poetry's been dying for centuries. Yeah. Right? Everything's it's, been dying. And, it's, and, not, and it's not going anywhere. If anything, poetry is more popular than it's ever been. And if, you know... If uh, um, you know, if the reason why I'm not getting rich doing it is because there's so many people doing it, um, and that's, uh, you know, that that attests to its popularity. Um, lots of people play soccer, and they're not David Beckham. Um, you know, they don't live in mansions and and marry rock stars. So um, it's kind of sad, eh? I know, I know. Um, and there's lots of people who, uh, you know, write poetry and publish books, and they're not Rod McEwen. Um, so, you know, and they don't want to be. No offense to Rod McEwen. Um, if you don't know who he is, look him up. And uh, 
So I don't know. Yeah, poetry is not dying. It's not dead. It's it's uh, more popular than ever. There's more people doing it. There's um, uh, more uh, classes and programs and workshops you can sign up for to learn how to do it better. And uh, you know, uh, uh, poetry is dying in the same way that playing the piano is dying, or that uh, flying. Uh, Flying a kite is dying. Well, maybe that's dying. Maybe that is dying. Maybe people don't fly kites like they used to. It's drones uh, now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be weird? Like when I was a kid, you'd go down to the park in the spring, and everyone would be flying kites. And you go down there now, and they probably all got like RC controls in their mm-hmm. hands, and yeah. they're <laughs> flying little drones around instead of kites. Dog fights. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of that just makes me want to fly a kite more, right? Because I'm always attracted to the more esoteric thing. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get a kite this spring. That's what I'm gonna do. It's like an act of defiance, and it's fun, you know. And uh, if it crashes into the ground, you're not out five hundred bucks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's know. the hope again that it can go fly yeah. again. That you've just exactly. Like, oh, tape you know it all what? And, and Here's another thing. Um, it's really easy to make your own kite with just stuff you've got around the house. Uh, you know, all it takes is a, about 20 minutes, and you can make a kite if you know what you're doing. And um, and they're dirt cheap, and they're fun. That would be an interesting uh, gathering for your religion, to have like a kite flying. A kite, a kite flying Instead of day. like a Sunday morning or whatever, like a regular church thing, that if you just had a whole yeah. bunch of like people flying a kite in a park. Well, one of the one of the first tenets of, of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch is that you can believe what you want. And I suppose that means you can worship the way you want too. So if you want to venerate the human imagination through the glory of St. Bigfoot by flying a kite, have at it. And... Uh, you know, just make sure you send us that fourteen ninety nine. I like this do-it-yourself religion. DIY spirituality. <laughs> Believe what you want. Become your imaginary self. Make the world a better place. It's amazing. When I asked about poetry dying, you actually have an imprint, and you got three books coming out. Uh, uh yeah, three, three I, different I, writers. I have a I have my own publishing imprint. It's called Buck Rider Books, and it's uh, published by uh, Woolsack and Wind Publishers here in Canada, and um, right now I'm releasing three books a season, that's uh, spring and fall, uh, through my imprint. So this spring, coming up, we've got a novel mm-hmm. by Susan Purley called Death Valley. Oh, this book is is going to blow people's minds. Um, it's a revenge story, it's a road story, uh, it's a revenge road novel through the Nevada test site. Um, in the southwest. It sounds amazing. And um, uh, one of the characters, the, the main character is a legendary war photographer. Uh, her husband is a famous novelist, and their best friend is a semi-retired CIA spy. And uh, they're looking for uh, uh, someone who has done uh, Vivian, the photographer, wrong in the past, and they're going to force a, a reckoning out in the desert. And, um, you know, while this is going on, uh, uh, the government 
conducts a nuclear bomb test that they didn't know was going to happen, and they're stuck out in the desert, and they're irradiated. And folks, that's not even the climax of the story. That's that's one of the inciting incidents that propels the plot forward. I can't even tell you what happens after that. You're going to have to get the book. It's Death Valley by Susan Purley coming out this May from Buck Rider Books through Woolsack and Wind Publishers. And uh, in addition to that, we've got two collections of poetry coming out this spring. Uh, one is uh, uh, called Kids in Triage by Kilby Smith McGregor. It's her first book. Uh, Kilby won the, um, the Bronwyn Wallace Award for Emerging Writers about five years ago, and she's been working on this book ever since. Um, it's finally ready to come out, and it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's an amazing first collection. It's so seasoned and, and so, uh, uh, so polished. It, it's hard to believe that it's a first book. Uh, but Kilby's somebody who's been working on her writing for a long time and would rather get it right than get it fast. And um, That's uh, important. I, I, I think it's good advice for anybody. And, uh, you know, uh, making art isn't a race. And um, uh, I think people are going to be really impressed with this book. And the other collection of poetry that we're putting out this spring is called A Sparrow Came Down Resplendent by Stuart Ross. And Stuart Ross is a, a poet that's been on the scene for a long, long time. And he's uh, really... Uh, 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 beloved and uh, respected by a lot of people and um, is a, a an experienced uh, uh, teacher and uh, uh, sort of a conductor of creative writing workshops himself. Uh, he's got a very popular uh, creative writing workshop series called the Poetry Boot Camp that people sign up for. And I've taken the boot camp about five or six times myself and every time I do it I come out of there with you know five or six new pages of poetry I can work on and uh, it's definitely uh, been uh, time well spent for me and um, so Stuart Ross's new book a, a Sparrow Came Down Resplendent is coming out uh, with us this spring as well and I think it's uh, uh, s- some of his most beautiful writing ever um, uh, uh, Stuart's been very influenced by uh, schools of literary surrealism and that kind of thing, and those elements are still there. Uh, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of personal sort of uh, uh, autobiographical things in this book that are combined with those surreal elements that create uh, uh, a really beautiful book um, that I think his fans and new fans alike are going to really enjoy. And your latest book is Don't Let It End Like This, Tell Them I Said Something. Yes, from ECW Press. Uh, came out late in 2014. Um, and uh, I've been, you know, I've been reading and touring with that book for uh, a little over a year now. And I'm sick of it. But it's new to you if you haven't read it. So you're not sick of it yet. So what excuse do you have? you got to get out there and read my book. There's nowhere else to go but there. So... Thank you, Paul, for coming in. We discussed the uh, Holy Order of Sasquatch. The Holy Order of the Sasquatch, Sasquatch is, yeah. is, is, is out there in the world now, thanks to thanks to uh, Girth Radio. Yeah. Uh, we discussed poetry. We discussed Bowie, Nash Slash, Devo. Devo was right. Yeah. Art, postcards. Yeah. I think we did a lot. So Covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We'll have to have you come back when the, the, uh, the new poetry book comes out. I'd love to come back, and Sammy. We'll see what kind of uh, themes and things you got, what kind of moods you're in. Yeah, who knows? I'll probably have like you know four or five different art projects on the go too. Excellent. Yeah. More art. Absolutely. <laughs>